Blog Talk Radio. Reality Radio Entertainment presents Behind the Curtain with your host, Kathy Barrett. Welcome to Behind the Curtain, a show about how we navigate down the not-so-yellow brick road of life. I'm Kathy Barrett, and life is something we shouldn't do alone. So I hope you'll spend the next 30 minutes with me as I reveal what's behind the curtain. What inspires and captivates me the most is the human spirit. People overcoming adversity, taking what they learn from the experience, and creating a life masterpiece with it. My guest today is Jenny Triplett, who is the founder and creator of Dawa International, a multimedia company whose mission is to bring a positive vibe to the prison community around the world and to enlighten views and perceptions of an uninformed and forgotten society. Jenny speaks at correctional facilities, nonprofit organizations, and schools, and she and her husband were selected as Ebony Magazine's Couple of the Year. You can find out more about Jenny by going to prisonworldblogtalk.com or Dawa, that's D-A-W-A-H.com. Jenny, thank you so much for being on the program today. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. Well, your story has all the elements of an uplifting Hollywood movie to me. From wife, mother, and head of a successful entertainment media marketing company in Atlanta, a legal issue causes you uh, some time in prison, and then you take that and from it becomes an inspired idea, which leads you to build a new multimedia company, which is now changing lives around the world, and you're really being of service to people. So when you first met your husband, Rufus, who is um, a very talented entertainer and producer, you both moved to Atlanta, and over a period of 12 years, when you first started to build your media marketing company in the entertainment business, it sounded like everything's going great, What series of of events, may I ask, led to you being incarcerated? Oh, Kathy, we've got to back up. We have truly, (laughs) truly got to back up. My husband and I met when we were like 16 and 17 years old. So it's definitely Ah, much longer than than 12 years. So what happened was... Did you meet in Michigan, though? Is that... Did you both meet? Yeah, we're we're both originally from... We both are originally from Michigan, and uh, we met in high school. We were seniors in high school. We didn't meet saying that we were directly introduced. We kind of met abstract. But to make a long story short, um, it took about another maybe six to seven months before we actually connected, like after our first initial meeting. You know, it wasn't just. Uh, a direct introduction, and then we went on. Anyway, um, we had a long-distance relationship because we lived in two different cities. And you're you're in New York, correct? Yes. Okay, so it would be like he lived in, well, I lived in Manhattan, and he lived in Queens. So, it was, you know, just a commute, a connection, maybe 30 minutes. And we would talk a lot on the phone and everything. I went to the military in December of 87. 
and he was still pursuing his music career because he was writing and producing for Ready for the World. And he eventually went out on tour with them while I was in the military. Well, he and you eventually served in the Navy. In the Navy, I, I served in the Navy. Yes, ma'am. Uh-huh. And then he eventually left that life because of some disagreements, and he joined the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. And as fate would have it, we were stationed three hours apart. I was in Norfolk. I was in Norfolk, and he was in North Carolina. So we were three hours apart, and we would see each other every weekend. Every weekend we would be together. And that eventually led to marriage. So we we married at the right tender age of 21 and started having kids and everything. And then the military moved us from D.C. to Atlanta. In Atlanta, he got out of the military, and he's going full strong in the music business, I'm helping him out with my marketing background and everything and trying to, you know, do the music thing. We started an entertainment company. We were doing concert promotions, making really, really good money. We we had earned pretty much a million dollars over a period of time. Still making, mm-hmm. you know, really good money. But what happened was that with rubbing elbows and living the fast life, a lot of the places we would visit would be casinos. So I got a, I kind of got caught up with, you know, all the lights and the ding, 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 and the winner, 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 winner. I just had a slight addiction to, you know, the gambling, the gambling side of things. And it, it didn't go very well. Now, it went very well for me for a short amount of time because I won a lot of money. I won a lot of money. And that, you know, just, just, just fed my addiction for wanting to do it because I was winning. And I only played slots. I didn't know anything about the tables, you know, nothing at all. But my husband, he wasn't with it. You know, he, he does something for a minute, and he's, he always has this moral conscious thing about himself. He was like, oh, this isn't really, you know, a life I want to, we're not professional gamblers, you know, so this is something we really should be doing. So he really started to pull back. I would be down in the casinos for at least two, three, four, five. I'd see the sunrise, you know. Wow. And he would be upstairs in the room. He would take a chill pill and just go up there and order his, his shrimp on room service. Yeah. You know, and be okay. I just called him to come escort me. I was like, look, I'm packing here. You know, I need some help. Just, you know, come walk me up to the room. Well, eventually, because because of the monies that we won, we would we would purchase different things or, um, like, put money back into the company. So the money that I had to gamble with wasn't always there because he was pulling back. So I kind of got involved with writing some checks. And that was my little indiscretion, what, 13 years ago that that sent me to prison. Okay. Well, I'll tell you, I'm in the process of doing, um, we started our first show on addiction, so I hope you'll come back when we get to gambling because this is a really powerful story, you know. And, um, uh, okay, so now you're in, in, in prison, and so what is the process or philosophy for it? how you turned adversity into an advantage for yourself. Because not everybody can, you know, go through what you went through and come out on the other side. So what do you think it is about you, how you were raised, your philosophy on life that led you to take this experience that could have destroyed marriages, uh, could have destroyed a life, really, and turn it around the way that you did? Well, my husband knew that that was not me. That that was not the person that he married. That was just something that I was going through. 
And our marriage has always been so strong because one of the last things he said to me when we walked into a small little chapel in Washington, D.C. was, you know, when I get married, it's forever. So whatever we needed to go through or whatever we needed to deal with, he was going to be there. Um, And it wasn't, I'm not trying to belittle anything I did, but it wasn't like I shot the president. So it wasn't something so huge and so major that he was just, you know, had to shun away from me. You know, you know, I wasn't a child molester or, you know, anything like that, that he just, you know, it's just this this huge thing. But as far as me and how I was as a person, I've always been smart. I've always um, looked for information. I actually met my husband because I was an intern at a radio station. I was a straight-A student. So when I got into the prison system, besides for first rejecting the system and not wanting to get acclimated because I really just thought I'd probably get some probation. I had three attorneys. But this Mm -hmm. is the state of Georgia, and they send you to prison for whatever. So not getting the probation and actually having to go to prison, um, once I got over that hurdle that I'm going to actually be here, I decided to learn the system. I had to deal with all kinds of people, people that, I would just not normally talk to on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. So I had to learn how to deal with that society because it really is a world all of its own. Mm-hmm. And I saw there was a need for information. I saw there was a need for motivation. I saw there was a need for people to be educated. Because a lot of the things that I had seen and done in my life, some people had never heard of. I had a roommate who had never left the state of Georgia. And that was like, right, we're ju- we were just about the same age. And I'm like, what did you do as a child? You did, I mean, <laughs> what were your summers? What were the, you? She had never left the state of Georgia. So it just really showed me that there was a world of people out here who needed to learn and to know some things, that there is a whole world out here, and they don't have to use this system as a, redu- as a revolving door because I did find out that several of them had been there time and time and time and time again. So that is the shame of it, isn't it? And um and that's an important fact to bring up because everyone in in prison is not there for murder or some horrendous crime. It's people make mistakes. And if, you know, they got caught making this mistake and they go to jail over it, it it doesn't mean that the rest of their life has to be ruined and there's really not a whole lot to help them kind of shift or change out of whatever behavior. Um, sent them there to begin with, and I know for myself, I have uh, I have a nephew, and he got into trouble with drugs, and he did serve some time for about a year. So it's it's really incredibly stressful time for families as well as for the one incarcerated. And so, what about your own experience caused you to really take on this mission? Because it's one thing to you know, be there and, and you know, survive and learn the system. But you've really taken all of this into your heart and, you know, got out of prison. And you really, you know, you built this incredible multi-media uh, company that really does supply the information and support for the families and um, offers the inmates something really interesting to tap into. Well, I, I have been a writer all my life. Uh, ever since first grade, my first grade teacher saw something in me that I could be inspiring. She told me I was a really great storyteller. 
and she took one of my stories and submitted it to a young writers conference and I won like first place. So ever since then I've all I've always written. Um when we lived in DC, right after I had my second son, I had been writing scripts. I wrote scripts for the Cosby show and for a different world. I actually I had an agent and that's the lines that I was going down was to become a television scriptwriter because mm-hmm. People just told me that, you know, my, my stories just kind of jump off the page. Um, when I looked at the prison system, I realized that everybody had a story. Everybody had a story, but everybody didn't know how to tell it. I used my skills and what my husband and I had built together to bring information inside. So I actually started the magazine, Prison World Magazine, as a newsletter. And I would write it and design it right there in my room. I would send it home to my family. My boys would type it up. My husband would design it, put it up on the computer, print out copies, and send it back in. And it was just so overwhelming, overwhelmingly popular, I knew I had to do something with it once I was released. So the newsletter actually turned into a magazine. And I realized that I actually have a gift for giving information. It's not on the boring side. It's not something that you just read, da 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 humdrum, monotone, or anything like that. But I realized that I could give it in a way that it could be received, that it could be full of thought, that someone can actually sit back and say, hmm, you made me think. You inspired me. You motivated me. That's really brilliant. And let's tell um, everyone all of the different uh divisions that you have in Dawa. You have the Prison World Magazine, you have Prison World Radio Hour, uh, Prison World Blog Talk, Prison World Records, Prison World TV, and Prison World Future Entrepreneur Network. Did I leave anything out? Oh, we're just giving it to them for a straight prison world today, huh? (laughs) (laughs) No, and then also, I mean, it's just, I I should have done an hour show with you because you guys are involved in so many fascinating, um, fascinating things. And then you have the uh, Acapella Radio Hour, which is the fastest growing show on the Artist First Radio Network. It attracts over 1.2 million monthly listeners globally and allows small companies exposure on a level that they wouldn't normally be able to achieve. So share with us what else you want to talk about in terms of... Okay, well, actually, the um, the radio hour, we, we haven't been with Artist First for... Um, about a year or so now. Artists, artists, artists first saw the growth in our show and you know tried to take over some things. So you know we had to move our platform. But we are we <laughs> we have our own twenty four seven stream, uh, the Prismore Radio Network, which is a twenty four seven stream. And we actually you can get that stream from our Facebook fan page, uh, facebook dot com forward slash Prismore, the Prismore Radio Network. That's one of the few radio shows that you can actually stream from a Facebook fan page. So if you go on there and you click on the 24-7 stream, you can stream it from Facebook. Um, And we're actually on two local radio stations here in Atlanta. We broadcast Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and we broadcast Tuesday through Friday, a three-hour block from midnight to 3 a.m. And what we have found, yeah, is very fortunate is that the inmates, you know, because there's a lot of prisons here in Georgia, have been able to pick this up. 
So we're getting a lot of mail from them, emails from them. I kind of have my not-so-diva moments on the show because we do acapella. So, you know, I'm a Diana Ross fan. I have to, you know, do my Diana Ross sometimes or, you know, whatever I want to sing. You know, and I, I told my husband, and my husband's such a professional. He was like, oh, you need to get on key. I told him I don't have a key. Whatever comes up comes out. That's just <laughs> the way it is. So he has to deal with that. You know, he's been dealing with it for years, so he'll be okay. But, um, yeah, we, we've actually got some comments that some people like my singing. They like my voice. You know, it, it's all up to the, the, the eye and ear of the beholder. That's how I look at it. That, were you singing that Baby Love? Was that you singing Baby Love? Um, I've done, well, on the last show, if you heard that, I did, yeah. um, uh, no, that was Ain't No Mountain High Enough. You know, if you need me, call me. No matter where you are, no matter how far, just call my name, and I'll be there in a hurry. Yeah, that's what I was doing. That was me. <laughs> I love your voice. Thank you. I love, I love your voice. I'm also married to a musical guy, and I'm the same way. I'm always, like Lucy was always trying to get into Ricky's studio. Oh, yeah. You know, to be recorded, to become a big star, and unfortunately I don't have a key either, but <laughs> we do our best in those That's days. right. That's right. But, hey, it's, it's right there. Whatever I'm feeling at the moment, hey, that's where I'm at. There you are. But I, I love all the stuff that you're doing. So with when you said uh, in terms of going back to the inmates, not only are you working with the inmates, but um, the families are also participating in these programs that you have, correct? Oh, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. We have a huge outreach on our, um, going back to Facebook, on our Facebook fan page, also on Twitter. You can find us at Prison World. We have over 9,000 Twitter followers. But what makes this so great, we didn't realize the outreach that we had um, we're international. The Twitter follows that we have, we have a huge following in the U.K. that just follows everything that we, do, that we do. And because we're syndicated to iTunes and they can download the shows and everything, we can actually go in there and see who's listening to the show um, and different things. And we provide all kinds of information and resources for the families. So if they are struggling with any aspect of incarceration, they can find it pretty much on our Facebook fan page. Now, how did you, I mean, your husband sounds like, I, I am sorry he couldn't be here today, and I hope you guys will come back another time, but he sounds like such a, an amazing person, um, you know, to be able to, for you guys, to be able to go through through what you did and your marriage became stronger from it. So I know that you're also working on a book now, both of you, about um, how to maintain a successful marriage. Can you share any of those tips with us today while we're talking? Sure. Our book, um, Surviving Marriage in the 21st Century, 13 Tips on How That Can Help You Get to 20 Years and Beyond. Uh, hopefully it will be released next month, April 13th. We're going for that 13th year, trying to get it out and push it. And trust me, it's a chore with everything that we have going on. Sure. Uh, <laughs> we definitely found that communication is one of the biggest, biggest issues uh, in relationships with everyone that we talk to, um, anything, anyone that we give relationship advice to or anything. Communication is key. When I was incarcerated, uh, we had very little communication issues. You know, we our, our marriage had bonded and was so strong. I was able to call home at least five or six, you know, times a day. 
So we always communicated. I know, always knew what was going on in the home. As far as raising the kids, he never really made a decision without me. I was always privy to different things like that. And if we look at that, that if a couple can do that in a separated state of residence, then couples should be able to live together and to be able to do that. It's all about how you give the information and how you receive the information. So that is a big deal. Once you live with someone long enough, you know how to push their buttons. I could have pushed his buttons all up and down while I was in prison, up, down, left, right, sideways. But why would I do that? Why would I do that? I mean, it was already a hurtful and stressful situation. Yeah. So, And he could have done the same to me, you know, and made it much, much, much worse. But, I mean, we grew past that. That's beautiful. You guys really do have an awesome love story. And just seeing you together, uh, you know, I went through the website and looked at some of the, of the videos with the two of you, and you're really just like, I mean, you're, uh, it could be a comedy team if you wanted to, you know, take that kind of show on. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, we're real Steve and Edie, right? <laughs> you are, kind of. I was thinking of uh, what was... Uh, Bunny and Cher. Uh, no, like Gracie. Remember Gracie and the guy that used to smoke the. Oh God, I can't remember his name. That oh, George. Was, George Burns and Gracie. Yeah. Yeah, but you're not ditzy. You're brilliant. So <laughs> that's a bad example. We'll we'll come up with somebody else. But really, you know, you two have a tremendous. Um, you can feel the kind of love and appreciation for each other when you look at those videos and see you two together. It's really quite sweet. Thank and, you. Yeah, and so I have to ask you, with all of this that you two are doing, how is it possible? I mean, how do you raise a family because you have three boys and and keep it all in balance day to day? Well, Kathy, I know I look young. I really, really do. But my baby is 18, and our our boys are 18, 20, and 22, and none of them are here. None of them are at home. <laughs> My baby is a freshman in college. My middle son, uh, he actually just uh, started the Disney College program. He was at uh, Georgia Southwestern, but he just uh, started Disney College program, so he's in Orlando. And our oldest son is in Kentucky. So I have no children at home. I have a very, very good husband. He was a chef in the military. who He cooked for officers, so at any given time he'll cook or we won't cook, and it'll just be leftovers. And we just vibe. We just vibe and we just get it done. I've, I've had a lot of two, three, four o'clock mornings, yeah. but we just get it done. That's really amazing. And so how has this whole experience changed your life and who you are? I feel with the, with the Ebony Magazine Couple of the Year, um, it wasn't a contest or anything. I always have to explain this to people. You yeah. know, I'm, I'm sitting, eating my lunch, kicking up, watching The View, you know. And <laughs> I get a phone call. And it's like, you know, the talking, you know, the editor and everything, she's beating around the bush, and we just small talking, talking about Thanksgiving, and informs us about being Ebony Magazine's Couple of the Year. And so I'm shocked. You know, I don't know if it's shock, excitement, or anything, because you don't. Your initial reaction to that is like, "Wow, I, I didn't, I didn't ask for this." You know, right. this was just given to me, so I'm flattered, I'm honored, and it's like, "Whoa, how is this going to change my life?" So with this, um, 
honor that they've bestowed upon us, we actually have even more so realized how broad our reach is. I mean, we, we, we had some idea, but this has really, like, ele- elevated the platform. I'm overwhelmed. I'm humbled. I still have a hard time wrapping my head around all of it, but I just feel vindicated, you know, because people, yeah, people like to slap maybe a stereotype on you or some type of stigmatism, you know, or something like that, and you know that's not you, but that's their opinion of you, and all of this feels like some type of vindication, really. Well, it's also um I would I would imagine you're a big dreamer. And for people who are big dreamers, there's always a lot of naysayers that just show up at your front door going, "No, nope, no, nope, you can't do that. No, that'll never work. No, that's not going to happen." So, it really takes um it really takes something to kind of in the face of all that as well to just keep following what your heart and your soul is telling you to do and to put one foot in front of the other and just continue. And it sounds like whatever you guys touch, you know, kind of turns out successful and gold. And I'm not saying it like it sounds easy. I I know it's not personally Um, being a big dreamer myself, but you manage to kind of like just keep marching ahead, you know, trusting within yourself and moving forward. And I think that's an amazing uh, example to be and and for people to have. Oh, we definitely do that. And I, um, besides for being a big dreamer, because we do dream in color, everything is kind of planned out. I've always been an overachiever. You know, even in my younger days and in life and everything, has been an overachiever. But we had no idea about the strength of, of prison were really, you know, you, you think about it and say, okay, this is an idea this can do well, but you really don't know, you know, until you put it out there and people start taking it in and everything. And I just really, I contribute my faith in God because that's what keeps me going. And it does not help hurt that we get about 500 pieces of mail each week and a lot of them are just, you know, saying keep doing what you do. You know, you're helping me do my time. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be able to keep my head up. You're so inspiring. You're you're so motivating. You know, that those type of things. You know, which which helps you to keep you going. Because I, if I had a dollar for everyone that told me um, prison war wasn't going to work, um, <laughs> be retired, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I could probably do yeah. some things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's I think being of service is is one of the greatest things that we can do and um you know, that's what I love about what you do. I mean, in addition to being successful, you know, we can also if we're coming from a place of love, we can always create miracles in my opinion, and I really feel that's what you did. And what's next for Dawa International? Well, I am so glad you asked that question. <laughs> Kathy, yesterday we did a soft release of our fragrance. Um, We have the marriage fragrance, signature fragrance by Rufus and Jenny Triplett, and that was a part of our gift from Ebony Magazine as being couple of the year. It was released. We did a soft release, just kind of – put it out there on Facebook, letting people know this is what it was going to be. And within the first hour, we had already had orders, so we thought that was pretty cool. And now it's up on Amazon, and it's in the fragrance category. So we actually 
that was very, very grueling. That's what we did this past weekend. We had to go create it. We had to get our price points. We had to do the packaging and all of that. That is a very grueling, grueling process. But we made it through, and now it's here. That Well, congratulations on that. I'm just and, – and all of the projects that you're working on, I'm so excited to uh, have had the opportunity to meet you. And I hope you'll come back and keep us updated on um, all of what you're doing. And I think light and the wisdom and all the love that you brought to the program and for sharing our story, your story with us. And thank you again for the amazing work that you do. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Kathy. Like I said, I definitely appreciate you having me here. Well, I say give my love to your husband, and I hope you'll come back. We'd love to have you back on the program again. We will do that. Okay, darling. Thanks again. And next week, folks, we have Megan Lee, the founder of Lalita Healing and owner of Chai Chester Yoga Studio, will be here to discuss the healing magic of yoga. Megan also recently led her signature training for new teachers mm-hmm. in Rwanda, and she'll be joined by board member and advisor of the Uboso Buzi Project, Miss Betsy Todd. This is Kathy Barrett sending you a virtual hug from behind the curtains. So great to have you along on this journey. I'll be back next week, and I hope you'll be there. <laughs>